November 9th, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that great perfect sanctuary in heaven, not made by human hands, and not part of this created world. Once for all time, He took blood into that most holy place, but not the blood of goats and calves. He took His own blood, and with it He secured our salvation forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ritual defilement. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our hearts from deeds that lead to death, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the Eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why He is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, so that all who are invited can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone dies and leaves a will, no one gets anything until it's proved that the person who wrote the will is dead. The will goes into effect only after the death of the person who wrote it. While the person is still alive, no one can use the will to get any of the things promised to them. That is why blood was required under the first covenant as a proof of death. For after Moses had given the people all of God's laws, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, and sprinkled both the book of God's laws and all the people, using branches of hyssop bushes and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you, and in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the sacred tent and on everything used for worship. In fact, we can say that according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified by sprinkling with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That is why the earthly tent and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear now before God as our Advocate. He did not go into the earthly place of worship, for that was merely a copy of the real temple in heaven. Nor did He enter heaven to offer Himself again and again, like the earthly high priest who enters the most holy place year after year to offer the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, he would have had to die again and again, ever since the world began. But no, he came once for all time, at the end of the age, to remove the power of sin forever by his sacrificial death for us. And just as it is destined that each person dies only once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, but not to deal with our sins again. This time, He will bring salvation to all those who are eagerly waiting for Him.
this week's Bible meditation, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. It's the same thing here. I can't make you fall in love with Jesus. I can make the introduction. Okay? You can walk in this room and I can tell you, listen, God, who's the creator of the world, the only one that matters, he so loves you. More than your wife, more than your kids, more than your mom, your dad, any friend, any girlfriend, boyfriend. He's crazy about you. He so loved the world so much that he gave his son. Man, do you understand how wicked you were, how much you rebelled against him? And he, he loved you in the midst of that while you were a sinner. He gave his son. Can you believe that? His son. And, and he watched his son on a cross. I mean, who does that? What kind of love is that that watches his son die for someone else? And and, and then his son rises from the grave. After being buried for three days, he just gets up by the power of the Spirit and he's just talking and, you know, ascends back into heaven. And then he can put his Spirit inside of you. He'll change everything. What an amazing God. And some of you will go, "Mm, that's nice. And I can make that introduction, and seriously, nothing will happen until somehow here, like Paul says, the Holy Spirit gives you a strength to know, to know, an interesting phrase, that you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He lets you know something that you can't know. You get to a depth of this real understanding in your inner man, this knowledge of God loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And we sing these songs with this depth and this understanding of, oh, I get that. Oh, how he loves us. See, I can make the introduction, but for you to get that love, that happens as I get on my knees and pray for this and say, God, would you grant this to them? Because if they got your love, they wouldn't love their sin so much. If they got your love, they wouldn't fight with each other. You realize there has never been, never in the history of this earth, a spirit-filled couple that has divorced. Never. So the issue is not about his needs or her needs or love languages or this or that. The issue is somehow, as individuals, you don't understand the love of Jesus. You don't understand him. You don't get him. You haven't been filled with that love. And so that's why you start fighting and arguing and quarreling. It's because of that emptiness that you want that other person to fill. It all goes back to this. See, that's the core issue. I think about how many hours I've wasted counseling and marriages when it really wasn't about the marriage. And it's like, no, you don't really understand how much God loves you, do you? You don't really understand this 
love of Christ that surpasses knowledge to you. You don't understand how much you would just be filled just in him to where you'd be overflowing. And so you need this and need this from other people. So let me just get on my knees and pray that you would really understand the love of Christ. That you would be strengthened into the, in the inner man, not the outer and we all understand the outer. Some of you guys spent a lot of time this morning looking at the outer man or outer woman, um, fixing it up, looking right and everything else. And how much time did you spend on that inner man? Just praying, no, it's about my soul. My soul is ugly right now. And I, and I want this, I need this love of Christ to get it. Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has saved you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert, lost and homeless. Hungry and thirsty, they nearly died. Lord, help! They cried in their trouble, and He rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for His great love, for all His wonderful deeds to them, for He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, miserable prisoners in chains. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one helped them rise again. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, for all his wonderful deeds to them. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. Some were fools in their rebellion. They suffered for their sins. Their appetites were gone, and death was near. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He spoke, and they were healed, snatched from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love, and for all his wonderful deeds to them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and sing joyfully, about his glorious acts. Some went off in ships, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and sank again to the depths. The sailors cringed in terror. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Lord, help! they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But he also turns deserts into pools of water, the dry land into flowing springs. 
He brings the hungry to settle there and build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them! They raise large families there, and their herds of cattle increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causing them to wander in trackless wastelands. But He rescues the poor from their distress and increases their families like vast flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are stricken silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Proverbs 27, verse 11 My child, how happy I will be if you turn out to be wise. Then I will be able to answer my critics.